Hey, welcome to Buzzworthy. I'm your host, Shalicia Harris, and today we're going to kick off this episode with a few words from the International Women's Day website. Imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable, and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. Today's guests will continue our pulse of inspiration as we dive into Emma's story on how she leaped into an industry where she's often the only woman in the room. So let's start with Emma's story. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. We have an incredible entrepreneur here, Emma Kerwin. She's the founder of Dirt Market, and I'm your host, Shalicia Harris, who's going to help tell her story about how she founded it and how she's entered an industry where you don't see a lot of young women. And so we're going to turn it over to Emma to tell us a little bit about you and like what started your journey to become an entrepreneur. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, A little bit about myself. I'm a graduate from Barack University with a Bachelor of Arts, and I started Dirt Market with my uh, co-founder about a year ago, year ago, close to this month. So it's been around for just over a year, and and it really started out a necessity. So I'm super excited to talk about it a little bit more and, and dig into Dirt Market. Awesome. So that's exciting that we've just passed the whole year. Um, That's a big milestone. And to know what you've accomplished in such a short amount of time is absolutely incredible. But before we talk about some of your successes and how Dirt Market came about, what did you think your career path was going to be? Because you went to Brock University. What did you go to university for? Yeah, so I have a Bachelor of Arts. I have a history and English literature degree. And I was actually in teacher's college too. So Brock has a really fantastic concurrent education program. And since I was young, my mom was a teacher. So I thought it just made so much sense for me to go into teaching. And then in my fourth year, something just sort of clicked for me that teaching wasn't going to be for me anymore. Um, And it was like a random Tuesday. And I just went to my academic advisor and I was like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. And I, I never could have imagined myself not being a teacher but I finally owned up to the fact that I didn't think it was for me anymore so yeah I just filled out a form and I was no longer in concurrent education which I never thought would happen I always thought I was going to be a teacher so after that there's sort of that panic of like oh my goodness what am I doing with my life it was also the pandemic right so so there's a lot more questions around what what you're going to do when you're out of school Uh, but it was the best decision I think I've ever made is just to own up to the fact that I wasn't happy in the career choice that I originally picked and dropping out of Con Ed was a sad experience, but also super, super enlightening and really put me on the path I'm on today. That's amazing. And I think sometimes we look at those situations where it's like, we have to make this tough decision because we know that this is no longer the path for us, but what's next isn't exactly clear. So that must have taken so much courage for you to take that leap of faith to say, I know I, I don't belong in this space. This isn't where, you know, I find interest. It's not motivating me. It's not, it's something that I don't necessarily love. So between then, like sort of, you know, taking a step back from teacher's college and starting dirt market, 
what happened between that process and that time? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty big, pretty big jump. Uh, certainly, I think a lot of friends and family were sort of thinking, what is she doing? Like, because since I was a kid, honestly, I thought I'd be a teacher. So then for me to sort of announced to my close circle that I wasn't going to be a teacher. And then uh, within a couple months was starting a dirt company was certainly surprising to most, which I totally understand. It's, it's not something you would expect. So yeah, I left teacher's college in September and dirt market started uh, January. So the problem came about in that time period. And then, and we launched it almost January 1st. So it was a quick pivot into what we're doing now, but I just fell in love with sort of the entrepreneurship lifestyle and doing doing a variety of different things. I felt like I could really apply myself to marketing and to talking to clients and then also just thinking of like the product and where it's going to go and what it needs. And you're really able to feel a bunch of different topics and areas of interest. Whereas I felt like I'm in school, it was pretty one note, you know, and that makes a lot of sense for people who want to be a teacher. They want to learn about teaching all the time. But for me, I was like, I want to learn about, you know, marketing. I want to learn about finance. I want to learn about, and I still wanted to learn about like history and English. So I sort of was like this mishmash and I had a really hard time navigating that to not be like, I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to be a blank. And to be like, oh, I have a company and I, I do the marketing for it. And I also call clients and I do a lot of research on soil. Like it's, it's a very difficult thing to own up to. I think sometimes to have like a more abstract interest space or abstract like career path. But once you do, it's just like you fall in love with it and you fall in love with doing something different every day and doing stuff you've never done before. I've always loved school and I was always good at school. So doing it just became sort of the same thing for me all the time. But being an entrepreneur, it allows me to do things I've never done before almost every single day, which I just really love. I love it. It keeps me on my toes. Um, and it keeps me looking forward to, to the next day because I just, I never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think there's like huge parallels between being an entrepreneur and sort of being a teacher. And it's, you know, it's that constant learning. It's, it's constant improvement of yourselves. And so I think there must be like a core fundamental part of you that wants to continue learning, wants to continue challenging yourself. And that's where you found that real passion in entrepreneurship, which is really exciting to hear because I, I feel sort of the same way in a lot of ways. Um, I, I see school as being something very important, but I think there's so much more learning that people can do by simply putting themselves in situations where they really learn how to navigate a space and absolutely schools there to, you know, substitute and help give you a solid foundation, but getting in there is quite exciting and it's not necessarily for everyone. So it wasn't scary to you at all to sort of go into a space where, you know, you're doing marketing, you're doing finance, you're talking to clients and building a company when, you know, that's not something you necessarily prepared yourself for. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, there is no way to prepare yourself. My co-founder, Asad, he has a business degree and we both are sort of like off the deep end sometimes on what to do. Um, so I think you can prepare as much as you want for anything, but actually doing it is the only way to really learn it. And I do think my humanities degree, people will sort of balk at that and be like, oh, what are you doing with a history and English degree and like working in this space? But most of my degree was taking in information and then creating a thesis and supporting that thesis. And a lot of 
what you do in a business is exactly that. Our thesis is that we can find a better way for people to move soil. And we do everything in our power to find all the supporting pieces to allow people to do that. So I think education is extremely important and did teach me how to apply different pieces of support to your thesis in a way. So it might sound a little cheesy and it might be me just loving humanities, but it definitely did prepare me in those ways. Also doing like pitches. I feel like I'm fairly well-spoken because of my degree and I'm able to explain complex things fairly concisely. People mm-hmm. might listen to this podcast and go, uh, no, but, but I think for the most part, um, it's a big skill that I've learned through my degrees to be able to take in information, kind of chew on it a little bit, work through it, and then be able to really concisely explain it back to somebody. So I absolutely think my humanities degree is really important. Also on the marketing side, writing copy, editing copy, like interviewing people, I, I do that as well. So um, yeah, I, I think it did prepare me, but there's no no way to be prepared to start your own business, I don't think. Yeah, I I love that. And I I love that every experience matters, regardless of what it is, what degree you have, what sort of experience that you have, you can draw upon all of those and it can help set you up for entrepreneurship in, in many Mm -hmm. ways. So there is no cookie cutter path or, you know, process that everyone needs to take in order to become an entrepreneur. And so I love this story of yours. I think, really understanding how you got to the beginnings of dirt market is really strong because now we get to talk about what inspired dirt market yeah yeah for sure so the dirt origin story here so uh, my co-founder Asad Jalib he was president of the Brock University Student Union and I was president and editor-in-chief of the newspaper so we would work together on press releases and different articles He led uh, rebuilding Brock's gym, the zone. So he was involved in the construction there. So we would meet fairly regularly over Zoom um, just to work on on Brock work. And then we're in a meeting one day and he was telling me this story about how somebody had illegally dumped a ton of soil on one of his dad's development properties in Toronto. And I thought, what a strange story to tell me. But it was really, really interesting to hear that somebody had illegally dumped soil on a property that other people were trying to acquire or were paying to acquire. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of this, why would somebody dump soil if somebody like might be paying to acquire that same soil? Um, And because I I think it was, you know, the thick of the pandemic, it was a really interesting topic right off the bat for us. So we, we dove in, right. We were working from home. um, You know, we thought let's do something that isn't, I was still in full-time school and working full-time. We thought let's do something that isn't, you know, full-time school and work and worrying about all of that. Let's just do, let's take a stab at this. Let's take a stab at it. Him and I were both, you know, we like to think fairly business-minded. So we thought, no, nah, let's take a stab at it. And then um, just within a couple of days, the first person signed up. And I remember calling them and I was like, you know, thank you so much for signing up. And, and the website at this point essentially was like, <laughs> like a grocery list. Like it was just a list of who had dirt, who needed dirt, like very, very straightforward. And I called them and I said, hey, like, I just want to let you know, like, it's a marketplace, but you're the only person on the marketplace right now. So I just want to let you know, I appreciate you signing up. But, um, you know, it, it's, we're not sure where it's going and, and whatever. And, and he was like, oh, no, it, it's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. I want to be a part of this. And we were like, hmm, how interesting. So and then, yeah, we in the last year, we've had over a thousand members. 
um, moving soil on our platform. And wow. so that's about 700 different project areas or, or receiving sites on the platform as well. Um, so we just really saw traction early on and, and we were sold, 100% sold on wanting to make a difference and and wanting to change the way people move move soil. So there wasn't any second guesses or should we do this? Should we not do it? We just fell in love with it and knew knew that we we were finding a better way to do something that people had been struggling with for a long time. Wow, that's that's incredible because I would never think, you know, of moving dirt. The only thing I think about <laughs> dirt is, you know, I just don't want it in my house. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, you found the problem and you've created this, you know, very simple marketplace, but clearly there was a need and you were you were feeling that need and that becomes super important when you are building a business. So did you dive in with that person to understand how they found you and, you know, what made them actually sign up here? What were they looking for? Yeah, so it's actually funny. A lot of it was digital media and marketing, which people don't expect from the construction industry. I think people don't realize what a big part of the construction industry digital marketing can be so we kicked off like an instagram page a facebook page a linkedin page and i just it started out, out with kind of like dirt memes which sounds really silly and it is really silly but it got they got some traction right They're, they were funny and we were just throwing them together on canva like again while we were working and and we just thought we need to get the word out there somehow and we talked to one of the very very earliest clients and he was like yeah when you have a construction project, the easiest way for you to show clients your work is just to take before and after pictures. You mm -hmm. don't have to write any copy. You don't need to do anything super like elaborate, but people immediately understand that, oh, this is a skilled contractor or what have you because of the before and after photos or because of the cool drone shot they have or something like that. So we just leveraged that and uh, people started signing up and, and moving dirt on, on the marketplace. So when you're moving soil, proximity is really important. You want something close because trucking costs are obviously going to go down the closer the site is. Uh, so we just started hammering home sort of like Niagara because we were in Brock, we were at Brock, uh, but then also the GTA just because there's so much development happening there. Mm -hmm. And then once people started talking about it, um, we just saw more and more signups every week. Wow. And who is the ideal person who has dirt and who wants to get rid of this dirt? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. So um, when you're moving soil, like let's say we always use like a house foundation for an example. So you're going to dig up that soil. A contractor would dig up that soil. Um, and then let's say you need to level a piece of land. So you're planning to build on it and it needs to be leveled or graded. Um, you would need to acquire soil to do that. So we would connect those two parties so that they could reuse soil and recycle that soil instead of sending it to a landfill. So normally soil will sit in a landfill and will just hmm. sit there and not be reused. Whereas we find a beneficial reuse for it. So that means somewhere that can make good use of that soil instead of it sitting in a landfill. So that's what we do. We connect project areas or reuse sites with each other uh, so that they can recycle soil instead of throwing it in the trash. 
That's very interesting. Something that, you know, was once a complete waste because no one's going to a landfill to get dirt again is now <laughs> actually being reused. And I think, I think that's so important from even an environmental standpoint, we're reusing our resources and not just putting it aside because we, as that individual or that company don't need it, but someone else can actually use it. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't think about. And quick question for you is that, <laughs> did you have that foresight to, to sort of see that, you know, this was something that was being wasted initially? Like, did you understand that before you sort of started Dirt Market or that came along with the learnings um, as you continue to grow and explore? Yeah, I think a lot of the research we did beforehand showed us that, like, for example, water is really highly regulated, right? You can't just do whatever you want with water if you had a property or or what have you, right? And so soil is moving into that same space where you can't just dump soil wherever you want. You can't send it to um, a landfill necessarily if it's clean soil under some new regulations, et cetera. So we really just saw a shift in kind of the mindset of it's not a waste product it can actually be reused and it's a valuable resource uh, so once we clicked into that and I think again us just doing a lot of research and being interested in it taught us that there is an opportunity here and then also just logically right if there's somebody two kilometers away from you that needs the exact soil you were going to send 10 kilometers away why wouldn't you want to reuse it so um, it definitely started as like a binary of just who needs who wants marketplace very kind of straightforward uh, and then as the company developed and we did more research and talked to more people, uh, we realized there's a lot of different parts of the whole supply chain that we can tackle. So for example, organizing trucking or mm -hmm. organizing financing or organizing environmental engineers to test the soil. Um, so there's lots of different pieces of the puzzle that we just saw it kept coming up to us. So we started to tackle all of those parts of the supply chain as well. Yeah. And so your problem became, your problem was super focused, but then you realize that there are these peripheral things that could make this problem so much easier. And that's what the whole dirt market solution is. Mm -hmm. and, and that really is, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, us sort of having a thesis and our thesis has always been to save earth movers time and money. That's what we do. So everything we do supports that. So if that's building uh, sort of an entire supply chain, um, if that's helping with, again, organizing haulage or helping you get soil reports or anything in between, we want to be there because it makes people's lives easier and it also saves them, again, that time and money, uh, which is really precious in, in any industry, but especially in construction. Mm -hmm. So if someone wanted um, dirt prior to dirt market, where would they find it? How would they find it? So if they were trying to acquire soil, they would need to literally like call around to their contacts to be like, hey, do you have any soil that I could have? So it's really based on like manual connections and just sort of like who you know. Um, you can already see that's not super efficient. You, you could also buy like bulk soil for a price, um, whereas reusing soil cuts down the cost of that. And with a digital solution, you're able to browse all your options in one go. In the same way, like imagine trying to book like an Airbnb or or like a, a cottage or a house without like, sorry, I'm going to have to rephrase that. Imagine trying to book like a house or a cottage without Airbnb. Like as somebody who's always kind of grown up with Airbnb, I'm like, I don't even know where you would go to do that necessarily 
Um, but with Airbnb, you're able to see right away, you know, what houses fit exactly what you need, what like amenities do they have that you want. So we essentially mm. do that for soil because there's so many different things. Like I said, that when you're moving soil, like what kind of quality is it, the quantity, the timeline of the project, and of course the price. Mm-hmm. So we created something that you can browse potential soil senders and receivers um, in the same way you would be able to browse for houses or cottages on Airbnb. Wow. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's such the a Airbnb good one. Yeah. The Airbnb one always gets people. That's like the easiest way to explain it sometimes. I think it's a fantastic analogy because it's, it's not necessarily taking something that exists already, but really, um, you know, helping people understand how you're solving a problem. And obviously when there's a problem, there's a solution. And what you're really doing is bringing those two things together. And Mm -hmm. that, that creates like you're seeing right now, an exciting business um, and an exciting opportunity for growth where you have seen incredible growth over the last year with uh, over a thousand people currently registered on your site. Yes, yeah, so we have a thou- just over a thousand members on the site. Um, but I think more importantly, it, we have had just under a thousand different project areas and sites go up. Uh, so members could be like, you know, a colleague and a colleague sign up. We used to focus more on the user count, mm-hmm. whereas now we really focus on the project areas and the projects we're dealing with um, because it, it demonstrates better, you know, how many, how many sites we've been able to connect and how much soil we've been able to move. Yeah. And how much soil have you moved to date? So we've moved over a hundred thousand tons of soil um, over the last year, which is when we started, people were putting up like their little garden soil, like a bucket of soil or whatever. Um, And now we definitely don't do that. We we definitely do not move, (laughs) move buckets of soil. Yeah. So, um, you know, even last week we, we had a a couple thousand triaxles move via our site. So it's, Every single week, we see more and more soil move with us. That's huge. And have you thought of quantifying the salt, the, the salt of the soil? <laughs> have you thought of quantifying the soil um, in a way to say, you know, we have moved, you know, the weight of this battleship in soil over the last year? <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, no, we usually think in like, cubic meters or tons just depending on who we're talking to but I do have a fun soil comparison if if we want that so every year there's 25 million metric tons of soil excavated just in Ontario and that's about 16 Rogers centers full of soil every single year so yeah it's a lot of soil yeah so we haven't moved that much yet yet but um that's always a fun fact to help people sort of understand just how much soil moves wow that is that is incredible. And that is a really fun fact. And I love that it's local. Um, it's so local and I live for local right now um, yeah. and forever. But <laughs> but it's, it's a really great fact because I think when, you know, people can really understand the impact of the business that you're growing and the things that you're able to accomplish it, it really demonstrates key value um, in an industry like this, where 
you would think the solution existed already. And here <laughs> you are as the founder of this company coming in with no prior experience in this industry. Also a young woman that's in this industry. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about that. <laughs> what, what is it like to be in an industry where you don't see a lot of people like yourself? Yeah, so I think in regard to not having the experience, we really understood early on that we needed to know exactly what we were working with. So we made a huge, huge, huge effort to really steep ourselves in the industry. And that's really what the first year was all about. Uh, when we started, we certainly were very green and there's certainly still times that we seem very green. Um, but I think making that big effort to talk one-on-one -on -one with our clients every single day um, just made such a huge difference in the way we talk about soil, uh, in the way we've, we're building our product and really bringing on some seller advisors too, uh, who have been in the industry for like 40 years, right? So mm. um, we definitely acknowledge right away that we were sort of young guns in the industry and we were people who had a lot of learning to do, um, but that it was a priority for us. It was always a priority for us and still is every single day to talk to the people who are on the ground and us being on the ground as often as possible too, to really understand uh, every single part of this of this industry so learning is again going back to the teachers college learning is something I do every single day and it's absolutely a priority at dirt market and in regard to not just looking a second like a yeah I I want to touch on um something you said that's super important it it is spending time with your clients and yeah. getting to know them and that's a great way to listen into the market so you can further help address the problem that you have. And I think as you're growing a company, and I mean, I'm sort of in that stage too, where I'm looking to grow a company. I think that's so important because then as you keep listening to your, your user and your customer and your clients, you're mm -hmm. able to really tailor a solution that is becoming more comprehensive, more all encompassing. Like you said, you know, sorting the logistics around actually moving soil and making their lives easier. And I think that's something that's super important to building a company is, you know, constant feedback, constant learning and growing and applying the knowledge that you're, you're obtaining. So, yeah, um, I just wanted to jump in there with that, yeah. that little thing and like point it out just a little bit more. Cause I think that that's a solid nugget that anyone can, anyone listening to the podcast can, can take away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just on that point again, because I think it is important to bring up, it's really scary sometimes to pick up the phone and call people and ask for feedback. I know, um, any of us who have, who have gone through, school know that feedback is usually seen as like a negative thing like you could have done this better and this is why your paper only got blank mark on it but once you start a company you realize how invaluable feedback is like our product is a hundred percent influenced by the feedback we get and by um talking to people so you really have to jump into that like there's no way around it you just have to have to have to talk to the people mm -hmm. that you want on the platform so constantly asking for feedback for a very long time like the live chat on our website was me like I was reading all that feedback and responding in real time um, because it's just so important to hear what people are saying about your product and feedback is never a bad thing even sometimes if it's a uh, harsh feedback 
you always have to be listening and what is the root problem that is is causing this they might say oh your site doesn't work and you have to take that in and be like okay what part of it isn't working right like is it you had trouble logging in is it that you didn't quite understand this part uh so there's there's no such thing as bad feedback and we really take that to heart and every single day my phone is ringing like I'm glad we did this on a Saturday because <laughs> I probably would have had to step out if we did it during the week and it and it is that's part of the entrepreneurship journey that I think is probably sometimes can be less glamorous too right like I'm yeah. always taking calls evenings and especially in the construction industry people are up really early like lots of early morning phone calls too um you know late night phone calls when it needs to happen so it's uh, super important and one of my favorite things a lot of the people I work with are absolutely the salt of the earth and the nicest people you would ever work with and are so generous to tell me exactly what they did with their day so that I know exactly what we need to do with our product to make that day a little bit easier that's that's awesome and I think you're making um, incredible effort and you're doing that and you're really living it to, to make your product better and you believe in it so much. And it's so hard not to believe in it when, when you do, which is mm -hmm. very inspiring. So going back to a question, you know, we sort of derailed from and was, you know, compounded with a few other things, but I think it took us on an incredible detour. Um, absolutely yes. <laughs> loved it. We got some solid nuggets out of that, but how is it being in an industry where you don't necessarily see folks like yourself? Yeah. So I think there's certain times where it can be um, difficult. Like it's all eyes on you. It feels like all the time though. Like it's not just when you're talking or it's not just like when I walk on to a project area, it's like, I know everyone is looking at me because I'm the only young female on that site most of the time. Uh, so that can definitely be something. It's like, you always have to feel like you're on and you're ready because you know people are looking at you and they're almost waiting for you to either like trip up or they're waiting for you to just do something, I guess that's out of the norm because you already look like you're out of place. So they're just waiting to be like, oh, she's doing this or she's doing that. That's what it feels like sometimes. Uh, so it can certainly be intimidating, I think, too, going to meetings that are primarily men all the time. Uh, I can definitely be intimidating a lot, a lot, a lot of the meetings I go to. I'm the only female. Um, so that's, it can be hard to not feel like you have like a bit of an ally or a bit of like a warm intro there because it's like, okay, we already have some things in common. Um, especially a lot of the gentlemen I meet with might have kids that are my age. So it can also be hard to assert myself as like, that's great that, that I, I might have played like hockey with your daughter, but I'm here to talk about business and I'm here to talk about my legitimate business that is going to change the excess soil game, right? So mm -hmm. it, it does take a certain level of, of confidence that I've worked on a lot this year. I think when I first started, I was super, super nervous just to talk to people and, and put myself out there. But then once you do it once, it gets easier every single time. And now it's like, you know, you can make jokes about it too, like... I'm usually the youngest in the room. So there's always some room for just some, some good fun about that. So yeah, I think there, there's situations where you do feel a little bit out of place or, you know, I'll get comments like, do you know how to park or, you know, certain, certain things like that, which is like, you know, and then when I go, I make sure I park really well. So, so it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's little things like that, that I do think add up. And I think people will brush that off. It's like, oh, it's just a little comment. But then it's like, when you're getting those little comments every single day, it does start to feel like, man, maybe I'm not up to the challenge. Maybe I'm not supposed to be here, but 
Um, with all that being said, I absolutely know I'm supposed to be where I am. Uh, and I think that I'm a great advocate for dirt market and uh, the person to be running it, to be quite honest. I think that I put my stake in the ground. I'm not here to just be the young girl on the site or the young girl in the meeting. I'm here to run a very legitimate business and absolutely change the excess oil industry. So I would say that. And then there's also some really good things about it too, is people will ask specifically for Emma from Dirt Market because a lot of the people I work with are like, you know, are named like Peter or John or like yeah. <laughs> sort of um, names like that. So everyone remembers my name, which is funny because they'll call me and be like, is this Emma from Dirt Market? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is. Like, I don't think there's many other people who who have that because I do have something that sets me apart. They're able to very quickly remember me and remember their experience with dirt market because I bring something to the table that they don't see often so they will always remember speaking to Emma from dirt market I think a lot of them think that's my last name is from dirt market because I don't think anyone ever calls me Emma Kerwin um but yeah so I think that's like a plus that I definitely try to leverage too is that people know they're going to get the best experience because they're talking to me um because I care deeply about the company and, and about our clients so there's definitely some some value adds there and being someone who sticks out like a sore thumb sometimes is that they'll never forget me and they'll never forget dirt market and we leverage that we definitely make use of that and I think anyone who feels like they are you know maybe sticking out own it because it's what could make you right that's your brand that's my brand in the construction industry is yes I'm the youngest person here yes I'm probably the only female here but I'm going to tell you a great story about excess soil that's going to change your life so um we really own it I love that you have <laughs> taken that on and owned it and I think what that could probably do for anyone that is in a similar situation is yes, those comments, you know, do add up. They do add that extra pressure over time, but there are good aspects of being the only person in the industry. And when mm -hmm. you can do it and you can do it well, and you sort of really cement your brand within that market and people can trust and rely upon you. I think you're sort of breaking those barriers and creating more space for more women to enter an industry that doesn't necessarily have a lot of women in it. And this isn't something, you know, you grew up, you know, loving dirt and trying to sell dirt or grew up <laughs> on the construction site. This is something you saw a problem from like a peripheral standpoint and now you're in it and you're creating that space and that's very very impressive a lot of the people I work with are advocates for me and that was really important when I got into the industry to have men on the other side be like no she's the real deal she is not here to mess around like I'm doing business with Emma because she's the best at what she does not because any other reason. So there's been like some really, really fantastic advocates in the industry too, who have given me seats at tables that I probably never should have been at or never should have never thought I would get the opportunity to be at. And that's because they saw past me being like the youngest female in the room, right? Mm -hmm. They saw the potential and the value of dirt market. So I was invited to those tables and into those rooms that I never thought I would have the opportunity to be in. So as much as there's those little comments that get to you, there's also massive, massive advocates for me being where I am and doing what I'm doing. So it's really important to say, you know, it's not all people kind of speculating that I'm maybe not supposed to be where I am. There is a ton of people who are behind me 
And I certainly wouldn't be where we are today as a company without those advocates in the industry and just in the business community and startup community too, who have given me that pat on the back or given me that, no, you belong here. You're supposed to be here. We would not be where we are today without those kind of advocates. Absolutely. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you and everyone needs allies when they're breaking into something new and, you know, untouched for, for them and people that they represent. So it's great to know that you were able to find really great advocates that had your back, that supported you, that gave you a seat at the table and not that you didn't deserve it. It's those are the opportunities that we need as women, especially in spaces where we typically aren't seen and don't aren't seen as if we belong in. So that's mm -hmm. really important that you brought that out. And anything that, you know, people that want to be advocates for um, people in new spaces, how can they do that well? Yeah, I think being an advocate is just believing in somebody, um, you know, and giving them a pat on the back and, and giving them some feedback to make themselves better at what they're doing too that was a lot of it uh, because we we're learning so much mm -hmm. it was really great to get feedback like this is how you talk about this these are the terms you should use so to be allies in those sense because they saw the potential they just knew we needed fine tuning to be able to really pull it off and, and continue to do what we do so I think that's all being an advocate is is really just believing in somebody and trusting them to live up to that potential you see in them and giving them the tools to do that so whether it's you know when I started uh, there's a lot of like business terminology that I had to had to learn. And even now when I go to different like investor meetings, I know some of the some of the acronyms they say, I have no idea what they mean sometimes. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, all of my advocates will say like, Emma, that's what that means. And, and this is what um, this is how you use that, because it's not that I'm I'm not smart for not knowing those things. It's just I haven't been exposed to that. So a lot of a lot of that just comes down to just taking the time to explain to somebody something uh, that they might not understand, but you know, they have the potential to, uh, to understand and harness. Yeah. That's awesome. So anyone looking to be an advocate in any <laughs> industry, um, take these tidbits down. I think what Emma <laughs> has to say um, is really gold and sweet little nuggets that we can, <laughs> we can put away and, and pull them out when it's absolutely necessary. So we've sort of strayed a little bit from dirt market, but this is all part of <laughs> your story and what it means to be an entrepreneur in a space that, you know, you typically aren't represented um, in, in a more visible way. And being that this month, we are looking to really tell stories of women breaking boundaries and breaking barriers. Did you ever feel that that was something you were actually doing? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if there was ever a moment that I was like, I've, I've made it or anything. I don't think, cause I don't think I have, I never think there'll be a moment where I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm done trying because I've made it. All right. Like, I think it's a, it's a bunch of little steps, I think. And just feeling like, you know, now I'm super confident picking up the phone and calling just about anyone to talk to uh, on our client list or, or maybe a prospect. Right. Whereas I think that's like a victory for me because when we started, I would have been really nervous to do that. 
Whereas now I'm always, I'm always calling people and people are always calling me and uh, we're able to have really good conversation and really productive conversation. So I think it's, it's more little wins like that, just to be like a year ago, I would be shocked to see me do what I do now. Um, And I think it's, it's those little wins. It's funny, you know, we'll be on like a media piece or something like that. And it's, we're super, super thankful for for the opportunities but it's it's almost like the silent wins that matter more to me like for example being able to pick up the phone and just be like I know exactly what you're talking about I know exactly what I need to do to solve your problem and your pain point and I've got you like I, I can guarantee that I will solve this problem for you it's those little wins and those sort of like silent wins that mean the most to me so um I don't think there's been a moment where I've like been like oh I I know everything I need to know I think there's so lots for me to know and it's always going to be a learning experience I, I think it's very um, impressive to hear you say that. And I think you're, you're very humble for saying it. And I think, I think it's, it's a great place to be because you're always open to the possibility of doing more and being more and constantly growing. And I think that sort of mindset is what helps take you further and further and get to that point where you do become very successful and you didn't even realize you got here because all of those baby steps that you made, that's constant growth, that's constant improvement, that that creates that you know, perfect environment for you to thrive. And if you didn't think you were breaking boundaries for women or um, for younger people going into industries that they don't quote unquote belong in, um, I want to tell you that you are breaking boundaries and you are creating um, a very unique space within an industry that's been dominated um, by men for a long time. And I'm very inspired by it. Thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So in terms of dirt market and who needs to use dirt market, why they need to use dirt market, tell us why they need to come to your website right now and (laughs) sign up their project, move some dirt so we can fill, you know, some Rogers stadiums and continue to see dirt market thrive who who needs to be on dirt market so dirt market connects soil generators with soil receivers so for example that would be somebody digging a hole and somebody filling in a hole so instead of sending that soil to landfills we actually allow people to reuse each other's soil in a safe way so anyone who's moving excess soil belongs on dirt market we make things uh easier for you and more cost effective so it's a great spot to be if you're moving any kind of excess soil we have a lot of different things coming down the pipeline to make uh, your day a little bit easier and to make moving your excess soil a lot more efficient than what we see in the industry today so anyone who's looking to make their excess soil movement and disposal easier and more cost effective definitely belongs on dirt market And more specifically, who is looking to move soil? Is it contractors? Who who are these people exactly? Yeah, so it's it might be a haulage company who's looking to relocate some excess soil. It might be a contractor who's looking to uh, relocate excess soil. So when big developments happen, there will be a contractor who will just be moving the excess soil or might be doing some other uh, earthworks things. So they would belong on dirtmarket.ca for sure uh, to move that excess soil. Amazing. And do landscapers, do they move this much soil? Is this, are they sort of a group of clients? I know we're 
we're going to be moving into summer sometime soon. <laughs> um, but are they sort of part of your your network? And you can absolutely say no. I'm just trying to think about, you know, who uses dirt and, you know, can they potentially use dirt market or is their volume <laughs> too small or, you know, maybe too large? I don't exactly know yet. Yeah, so landscapers, I would say larger scale landscapers, absolutely. Uh, we usually do anything over about 100 triaxles of soil is, is a sort of our sweet spot there. So if you're moving lots and lots of so soil, then you definitely belong under market. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Emma, thank you so much. I think um, you've added so much value um, to our listeners today. And I loved hearing your story of dirt market. I love the passion that you have around it. And I see dirt market going so far because we're, we need more houses. We're going to need, you know, <laughs> landscapers. Dirt's going to need to be moved. So uh, you're solving an incredible problem that I did not know was a problem. And I'm sure some of my listeners and our listeners didn't think it was a problem and you're solving it to make a big impact on the world. So we wish Dirt Market absolutely all the best and we can't wait to see the incredible things you do. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me and listening to me talk about dirt for the last hour. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, if you need anything, holla at us. Come join our Hamilton Hive events network, you know, come inspire our young professionals and people looking to be entrepreneurs because I'm sure they would love to meet you and we will certainly send those invites your way. Awesome. Thank you so much. To learn more about Dirt Market and what they're doing and to become a client of Dirt Market, don't forget to check them out at dirtmarket.ca and view the incredible projects that Emma is working on and how she's changing the way dirt and soil is moved around. Thank you all for listening today. Give us a follow on social at, at Hamilton Hive to stay tuned and know what's coming next. And if you have entrepreneurs or projects in your mind and you want to know their stories, let us know so we can reach out and help tell those stories that you want to hear more of. Finally, we want to thank our team of volunteers that make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. They are putting in the time, they're putting in these hours, and they are not paid for it. So huge shout out to Cesar Sardena, Harsh Patel, James Clark, Khalid Imam, Patricia Ford, and Ratri Tun. Our volunteers are listed on our website at, at hamiltonhive.ca slash podcast and check them out. See you next time.